Yo, 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 yo. Uh, Daniel Hardy here um, for Let's Go Warriors. And uh, we're recording this on Sunday, uh, 5 o'clock in the afternoon West Coast time. And uh, quite frankly, um, one of the hardest days to talk about anything basketball related because Lakers legend um, and uh, basketball uh, genius Kobe Bryant has passed away along with his daughter. And um, news reports were conflicting. But I think it said between five and nine people uh, dead in the crash. And um, when that happened, you know, one of the ways I deal with grief is talking to loved ones. And uh, someone I love is Dr. Tom, Thomas Bevilacqua, the very, very uh, special guest today. Um, Dr. Tom, how are you doing, sir? I'm in, you know, sh- shock. I'm kind of heartbroken for uh, Kobe, his family and his loved ones. And, you know, like everybody who loves the game of basketball and loves this sport and this league so much, just gr- grieving in a state of grief. It's a, like you said, it's, you know, it's a, it's a sad day and it's, uh, you know, good to talk, to talk about it with, with someone. That's always the way to kind of deal with things. How'd you hear about it? And uh, what was the immediate impact on you? So it was one of those things I, you know, I live out on the, on the East coast. So I was, you know, a little ahead of everybody on the West coast, but I was going out for a late lunch. I was getting some terrible burrito at some place and I get the little pings on my phone that say, Hey, Kobe Bryant has died. And you're like, that can't be. He's Kobe Bryant. He's the, you know, he's this major figure. Um, this, this is like, you know, somebody who seems almost immortal. And, you know, I got you know, my food and I sat down and I looked at my phone and I was like, oh my God, no, this, act- this actually happened. And you just were s- there in this sort of stunned, shocked and horrified silence of trying to process all this, uh, you know, as someone who, you know, you, you don't know, Kobe, you know, none of us know him or knew him, but uh, somebody who was a part of our lives, those, I guess those of us who love sports, who love basketball, who care and think about this. And it, it was, it just, it to say it was shocking is an understatement to shocking. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, yeah, I found out when my sister called me and uh, she was like, hey, Kobe just died in a helicopter crash. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, Kobe Bryant's dead. And I was like, there's no way. So, like, you know, you're looking it up real quick. And at that point, there was nothing on my timeline. Like, it was so fresh. So I was like, how'd you find out? She was like, TMZ said it. And I was like, TMZ? Like, I don't even know if I can trust that. But then you started seeing, you know, the, the local news reports start trickling in from the L.A. area. And then you hear that his, his, his daughter, you know, was in there, too. And Yeah. Uh, um. That's uh, that's just it's so tragic, man. And um, yeah. um, I think one of the things that um, you know, started going through my head was just like you know, what was like you know, in terms of the right way to go about things. If you're a millionaire dad who played basketball, and you're taking your Sunday morning to spend time with your daughter who loves basketball as well. And you're, you know, flying out to practice as is reported, you know, with other folks. Um, and again, I don't have the details on who those people are, so um, I'm still learning myself. But for sure, it was Kobe's daughter, and um, 
you know, just the idea of like, well, you know, you don't want to take traffic, you know, driving because statistically, you know, you're more likely to get in a car crash than anything else. You take a helicopter, which is the right move. And then even that goes wrong. And it's just like, what more could this man have done right to get his daughter to go to basketball practice? Like he was just, it was a, a regular Sunday morning for a basketball legend with his daughter. And it's like, yeah, well, hey, he's still, he's still gone. His daughter's still gone. And it's just like, the, the shock of it where you're like, well, if if someone's going to die, surely they wouldn't die this way. It's, you know, this this it's just so crazy. And um, that just lets you know about how much more of a bigger picture there is than the stuff we talk about sometimes in the basketball world or in the gossip world. Um, it's just it's just something that really let me know how much Kobe Bryant meant to me. And the people that I know and to you and everyone else, I mean, for my sister to call me and like tell me, hey, hey, Kobe's dead. Like she knew it was important to me. And so I started thinking back, like, you know, I was never a Lakers fan as a kid. You know, I was a Warriors fan. And in fact, I even adopted a secondary team, the Boston Celtics, because (laughs) Paul Pierce was from Oakland and he was Kobe's rival. Like, like I was like never going to root for Kobe because he was such a great basketball player and such an imposing personality that it was either like, like either fall underneath and just say, I'm a Kobe fan or just say, no, I got to root for somebody else, anybody else but Kobe, because he was just that dominant of a figure. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking of why, uh, this was resonating so much with me beyond just the, you know, the, um, immediate and obvious tragic nature of, you know, uh, of, of the, of these, of this, this tragedy of this horrible accident was how much uh, of kind of when I became sort of an adult or a more mature basketball fan, Kobe was the dominant player for those stretches. Cause I think of like, Oh, one to Oh four was really when I kind of, I went from growing up the kind of like, childlike or sort of a kid to like a little more discerning. And then I really kind of got back into watching the NBA very, very regularly, uh, you know, sort of in like 08. Uh, and that sort of has carried through obviously to the present, but you think about those times and those are the times when Kobe was at the very top of the game. And I was the same way. I'm, you know, decidedly anti-Laker. I, you know, he, I always rooted against him. I, you know, had that affinity for those um, Spurs teams in the early 2000s that just run up against him and had so much trouble with him. But he was all, you know, that, that spoke to his greatness and how great of a basketball player he was, is that you just, you, had to passionately root against him, but you were also like, Oh no, this, this guy, he can beat us and he can beat us single handedly because he's just like, he's a savant. I was going back and reading over, you know, some box scores and some of the games and you just see this where it's just like, Oh, he dropped 60 some points at a game. And it was sort of like, Oh, okay. Kind of ho-hum, whatever. And you're like now, like with the bro, bro. I remember when he dropped 62 points on the Mavs in three quarters. And I was yeah. scoring 61. I remember watching PTI and around the horn the next day. Cause I, I wanted to hear every single smart person who knew, like describe what happened for me. Cause I don't understand how one man could be so dominant. Yeah, it's and yeah, we think of you know that 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 shift um, 
when we think of dominance, and I think a lot in the history of the NBA, we so it's it's the big men, and it's you know it's from Russell and Will to Kareem, uh, you know, and these sort of these big, and then into the Shaq, uh, Hakeem, David Robinson times. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know, starting with you know, and you have Magic, uh, and then you move into Michael Jordan. But like Kobe was this, you know, you think about like just how dominant this player could be on the wing, and he he could he could just take over a game and just sort of will his team into it or will his team to a win. And uh, it, it, it's, it's astounding. Like there's, I, I like that you use the word genius at the top because there is this way in which he is this kind of basketball genius. And I think that sometimes he, the weight of that, was too much for him almost, or it led to him not being comfortable. It's what makes this again, like so especially tragic. And so especially sad is that it seemed like uh, in his retirement that Kobe, he seemed so much more kind of comfortable in his own skin and that he was, uh, you know, he was really kind of moving on into something and he was going to have this great post playing career. And I, I said this, I said this on Twitter that I, really came to appreciate Kobe more uh, after his playing career was over. And I sort of appreciated his intelligence and everything he brought to the game. Uh, and now he's gone. And that's just, again, you know, it's maybe it's, it's sm- small compared to the, you know, loss of human life, but this is, we're in the business of talking basketball. And so that's how we understand this, but it's a big loss just in terms of somebody who was a great mind and figure in this sport and for this sport. Well, I mean, like, I hear what you're saying in terms of, you know, if we're doing scale proportions, but at the same time, like, Kobe Bryant was Michael Jordan 1.9. Yeah. Like, that was the scary thing about what was happening if you weren't a Lakers fan. It was, it was like, wait, this prodigy has just, like, cloned himself after Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time, who, remember, Michael was on his way out, Kobe was on his way in. And that intersection of it was like, wait a minute, this guy isn't scared of Michael. He he idolizes Michael to the point that he needs to, like, defeat him. It was like this character Kobe had, even from being a 17-year-old kid, where just like every time he was on the court, you knew, I got to watch number eight and later number 24. I have to keep my eye on him because this guy is, is, is searching for greatness at all times. And that's where I think he became so polarizing as a basketball figure because we were so intrigued by him that we dissected every single thing about him in a way that I'm sure as a Kevin Durant fan, (laughs) you can understand that, wait a minute, the level of focus. And most of this is like, you know, kind of pre-internet. I mean, maybe at the the beginning of the internet, but before like the huge social media explosion, Mm -hmm. it was like the first time you could like go on Yahoo and search Kobe Bryant, like look up all his information. And it was like the same time where um, in a time that the transition between, you know, Michael Jordan to say Steph Curry, there was a whole bunch of people in there like Allen Iverson, uh, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, who kind of were there before, LeBron got there with D Wade and Chris Bosh. Like Kobe was the the towering figure over all of that. So towering, he actually, you know, as the rumor goes, pushes out Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Who yeah. was literally a giant. <laughs> 
another way in which my perspective uh, changed on Kobe um, was that uh, after reading uh, some of the books about uh, about Michael Jordan, actually, and sort of his um, his just sort of his personality, and really seeing and understanding that not just that you know we kind of knew the competitive drive, but just how like how he could be alienating, and just how it sort of consumed him. And I remember, you know, we we all we invariably you know we do this thing where we compare Kobe and MJ, and it's you know it's probably not good. You know you kind of can't, but um, I th- it made me realize that rather than it being Kobe is just trying to emulate MJ. I see it more as well. I or I came to see it as MJ was is was probably just like Kobe. He just lived in a time or played in a time where uh, he, it wasn't covered in the same way, and a lot of the stuff was not talked about. And you know the sort of fight, like the Jordan rules and the fight, kind of fighting with teammates and you know firing the ball into Bill Cartwright's hand, all this stuff. There was some credit to Jordan because once he realized his teammates were actually good, yeah, he gave them the ball. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I think you saw that in Kobe and that sort of second, uh, second those second titles, second set of titles in. But what about the first? Ones. Uh, you know, well, he had, he had a little help, and by a little help, I mean he playing his playing with a giant. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why it was so crazy because it was like, just give the ball to the giant, bro. Yeah, he's but, like, nah, he's lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, if you think you're, you know, you you have to respect that that kind of self confidence, I guess, and that he would believe it and he would do it. I just and I think again, if it was a different media landscape um, and sort of that, you know, there wasn't as much access because even, you know, though a lot of Kobe's career was sort of before where we're at now, mm-hmm. um, it's still, you know, sort of this by and large modern time. But if it's X, you know, like say if it's in when Michael Jordan was in his prime or even before mm-hmm. that, you wonder kind of how much of that stuff that, did, that made Kobe go not it wasn't just kind of like that made him polarizing and not beloved you wonder how much of it would have not come to light I I don't know I don't you know I don't know there's the, the answer and I think you're right to you know when, when you, you know you talk about it that way but it just it was another thing that like I said sort of changed my perspective on Kobe mm-hmm. as a player and uh, made me appreciate him a little more. Whereas before I was very much a, Oh no, he's not, he, you know, he's not that great and so on and so forth. And Oh, Michael Jordan was so much. And you know, like when it comes down to it, yeah, I, you know, Michael Jordan's at the top of my list. He's the, I think he's the greatest player ever, but I just, it changed how I saw him and made me appreciate him a little bit more. Yeah. I can dig that, bro. Seriously, yeah. and you know, after reading, I think it was uh, was it the, the, the last stand that was a lot? No, oh, the, the, the last, last season, season. yeah. Um, and hearing how Phil Jackson was very critical, of Kobe Bryant, yeah, like, very very critical. I think, I think that definitely colored how I felt about it because I, it seemed like Phil was saying that yes, Michael was um, kind of a you know a independent thinker. Um, what, what am I saying? But it seemed like it was framed like because Michael was constantly weighing an accurate percentage 
of who was going to make the play to help the team win. And he just so often defaulted to being like, well, it's probably me, so I'll shoot it. And all the, um, you know, arrogance that came with that. Well, it seemed like when Phil told him, hey, pass the ball to John, who's open, Mm -hmm. Micah was willing to. Where I think where, um, and the most glaring example is in the 2004 Hmm. finals against the Pistons, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when Chauncey Billups is literally saying, yeah, the strategy was uh, don't double team Shaq <laughs> and just um, let Shaq go to work early because Kobe Bryant's going to get super angry and then start shooting for the entire second half. Like when opponents win a championship on you because they know your um, emotional makeup that well, that's to, to me, mm-hmm. it seems like um, I feel like Michael Jordan, by the time he got to that point, was so sick of losing that he was ready for a new way. Yeah, Kobe Bryant his first couple of seasons coming off the bench, being a role player until Phil takes over. And then, you know, Phil empowers Kobe and Shaq to take over the team. Kobe's won three championships by the time he was what? It was like seventh year or something like that. Like he had three rings already while Michael was like super, super starving. So I feel like Kobe had won so much early on that he began to say, okay, like, well, like I already got three rings. I'm still early in my career. What about, like chasing some of these accolades. Like I want people to think that I'm the best player in the league. Like Allen Iverson, who's my peer has an MVP. Shaq, who's my teammate, who I think I'm better than has an MVP. And <coughs> excuse me. I think his mind is clicking. Like I'm better than all these dudes, but I'll never get my just dessert. if they always think I'm a sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. because of the situations, I feel like Kobe kind of a MJ clone was forced to a situation where he was like, in order to be like MJ, I can't have the best teammates around me. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, not to, you know, what we have seen happen um, with, especially with the, you know, the Warriors and with KD, um, there, you know, there are these ki- kinds of implications and that we, you, you know, you can't appreciate. It has to, I don't know. There are these narratives we've to- told ourselves, and again, like to go back to the example of Jordan. I think Michael Jordan's the greatest player in the history of basketball, et cetera, et cetera. But it, like, you look at those teams that won titles. He had great players next to him. You look at, you know, any, any title-winning team, you're going to have great players, and I think that 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 the n- narrative or the what's forced on you know, players or what's the, you know, it has to be, it has to be like, it's, it has to be you against the world and any, um, you know, like, and it has to be that way. And, it, and it's just kind of ridiculous because then it never is. And then it's this, like, you're damned if you do damned, if you don't sort of thing. Um, but isn't that something that you feel maybe Kobe's narrative was kind of the fuel for that? Huh? Yeah. I'm going to say in current day era, like yeah. I think it Westbrook, Harden, KD, they were all coming up under the reign of Kobe Bryant, even yeah. LeBron to a certain extent. Yeah. I'm sure some of what Kobe was going through had to have affected him and, may, dare I say, warped them in certain ways because yeah. you got you, you got to idolize a gunslinger who was like, I'd rather die with no bullets than, you know, <laughs> risk having my teammate take the shot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you look at, 
um, amongst Bryant's kind of greater greatest moments, uh, you know, there are any number of NBA ones, but you know, winning gold at the Olympics, and you look at in 08 and 2012, the players he's around, uh, you know, it's whether it's like he really had an effect on players like LeBron, like Dwayne Wade, like uh, Carmelo, and then like Russ and KD. And I think, you know, they maybe they learned a lot positively from him in the terms of his his work ethic, the just the, the what he put in his intensity. But maybe they they took on his that the the, the uh, that the whether it's the narrative he carried with him or the one that was assigned to him or the he th- what he thought he had to do. And they sort of took that on. Um I mean, yeah, you know, the, he is in this, you know, this he is this profoundly, you know, you know, it's, it's just, it just seems so easy to say like he's influential, but he was. And for those these players, the kind of the players who are the top tier or the kind of the veterans now, probably he was as important to them as Michael Jordan was to somebody like Kobe. And so you're seeing them, these players kind of reckon with his, let his, I don't know, not his legacy or his the his image or his story or whatever, and I think that it factors into a lot of the why things maybe have gone or have not gone the way we they have in the past X number of seasons. Damn, that's a great point, bro. Eh. That's a great point. I can, <laughs> I, I can make a good one every once in a while. Doctor Tom, baby, <laughs> I need y'all to rewind that. Because y'all probably didn't get it, baby. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it's fascinating that we were like well, almost 25 minutes into this podcast talking yeah. about a basketball player. And um, the crazy thing is that we've really only touched the narratives around him because he was fueling ESPN's 24-7 cycle in so many nights um, because you could just armchair unpack psychologically everything Kobe was doing. Like there were so many games where people were just spinning up all night and the next morning on PTI and first take, what do you think Kobe was doing? People were always fascinated to get into Kobe's head. And um, that's actually how I started um, my sports writing career. Um, way, way back in the day, I think it was uh, the first three Pete. And um, I was probably like, probably like, I don't know, like 13 or 14. I booted up Microsoft Word on my parents' PC, you know, a gateway, uh, Windows, like, 2000 or something like that, 2003, XP or something like that, I don't know. And um, I wrote a piece, my first sports journalism piece um, that no one saw but me. (laughs) I wrote it about why Tracy McGrady would be a better fit for the LA Lakers than Kobe Bryant because Tracy McGrady was less selfish. (laughs) That was the first thing I ever wrote in my life about basketball. And... um, that's how powerful the narratives were because his talent was so supreme that it just it just got people fantasizing about like well what's he thinking about and um, with him you know at times being very very uh, um, what's the word I would say Kobe could be charming and he could also be uncharming at the drop of a dime we've seen his interviews where he's given the the death stare to Bro- remember when he gave the death stare to Mike Brown who the Warriors made a champion like Kobe Bryant <laughs> can give you a death stare in a heartbeat um, but. All that to say, his his personality and his uh, his, his his mythology and his, his aura was so strong that we haven't even touched upon 
what he was actually doing on the basketball court. And we're almost a half hour into the pod. Like that's what makes Kobe Bryant such an amazing guy. And what as far as like discussion in sports and life and also why we're so shocked that he's gone so soon because I, I personally thought I was going to be talking about Kobe Bryant's choices for the next 25, 30 years of my life. I wanted Kobe Bryant to enjoy the Charles Barkley, Kenny the Jet Smith, Shaq level of life where he can just sit back and be like, big young players are trash. <laughs> but instead, he's out here hugging LeBron and giving him congratulations. His last tweet was congratulations to LeBron James. I'm like, oh my goodness, like we never got to see Kobe Bryant retired with a gut sitting at a podium talking about why well, these young players are trash. And I, you know, it, it just, the arc was never complete, but still, yeah. even then we still haven't talked about the player that he was. Dr. Tom, did you, did you have any examples or games that you remember where you were like, Oh wow, mama, there goes that man. <laughs> wait a minute. You mean hand down, man down. Oh, wait, wrong one. Hand down, man down. Let's go. Hand down, man down. All right. Hand down, man down. Was that a clip of him announcing or coaching the goals they were? Interchangeable. It could, you could be one of the <laughs> Same advice, baby. Love you, Pastor Mark. But um, no, it's a pretty long talk about the Warriors. My, the memory I have, uh, the one that stands out to me was that game where he uh, scored, and Antoine Jameson both scored 51 points in oh, a yeah. game at Oracle. I was in the building for that one. What? And I, rem- I remember it because I remember, you know, it was this day where it's like the Warriors had no, you know, that that, that team was, that, that team makes this year's team look like the 2017 Warriors, you know, that, that, the 2000 Warriors were just, <laughs> How dare you? just gar- How dare garbage, you? but, um, you know, they're, they were right in it. And obviously Antoine was leading the way, uh, but uh, every t- and you just were like, Kobe, Kobe can pull this one out for them. Even though I, I assume because the Warriors, I haven't like, gone back and looked at the box score at this game. I just remember and the, watched the videos, but it, obviously the other Lakers couldn't have been playing that well if the Warriors were able to keep it close at a game like that. Uh, but I was, you, I just remember it's just that like fear when he had the ball, when he shot it, it was, you, you that that was not what you wanted and he almost won you know a game that i think i'm sure that like i said the numbers will bear it out that uh, the other lakers didn't play well uh but kobe could win you a game single-handedly and i that was you know you saw it up close and i just remember that that feeling of like oh we're gonna get this great upset and yeah we you know we hate the lakers and they're all their fans come to the games and stuff but it's just like oh man kobe's gonna ruin this isn't he he he's gonna do this <laughs> and just on his own yeah but- dude that is so true kobe would ruin your team's night he would come into your arena and ruin your night and he really relished it and it was funny because he was like a second option at the time yeah what uh, what about you what's when, when you know you think Kobe Bryant's great games or great moments what's what's the one that you really think of or really stands out um you know I have to say the first time I really okay okay, okay. so I was always a fan of Kobe the idea of Kobe <laughs> like you know when I when I was in eighth grade and I heard this guy it was like 17. It joined the NBA and the Warriors, you know, the Warriors could have had him. Oh, you know, there's in my head, I was like, this guy must be awesome. Like, he's 17, like, I'm 13, whatever it was. And I'm like, you know what? I, you know, if I work really hard at basketball, and obviously 
um, I was better at talking shit about basketball <laughs> and playing basketball. Um, but um, I remember um, getting NBA uh, courtside, I think for NCC4 back in the day. <laughs> and it was just like the graphics looked like, you know, Lego blocks, but I was picking Kobe and shooting with him. Um, but I really didn't know him as a basketball player because I wasn't really watching the game back then. I was more watching highlights, you know. Yeah. Um, but I remember the first game I really, really remember watching him was Game Seven of 2000 versus the Trailblazers. Oh yeah, when you know, I, as a huge Chicago Bulls fan and also a lightweight Clyde Drexler fan, um, I was always like lightweight, you know, into the, the, the Blazers. I was like, cool jersey, you know, I like them. Sure, like I don't care about the Lakers. Go Blazers. So I was rooting for Portland in that series. Yeah. And when they had, I think it was the 15-point lead to start the fourth quarter, yeah. I was already like, okay, so now we're going to see, like, you know, uh, Scotty Pippen prove that he can win a ring without Michael Jordan. That's what I'm thinking about in my head, you know. Or, yeah. Or, then, yeah. So basically, remember uh, Bonzi Wells and Rasheed Wallace? Like, that team was Steve Smith? Yeah. That team was stacked. Um, so when the uh, Lakers come back, I just remember thinking to myself, like, damn. Well, as a kid, you know, I probably wasn't down. I was probably saying, dang, um, Kobe Bryant's hecka good because his ability to attack off the dribble and, like, for sure beat the man in front of him was always drawing help. And he could either pass to the open man or he could take a shot over two people and make it because he was so athletic and so good at shooting. Yeah. So it was like, this kid is like really driven to dominate. Yeah. And then God forbid he misses the shot because you have a seven foot, 300 pound monster underneath to dunk it back. So it was like, wait a minute, this looks like it might be effective when they worked the, uh, you know, the lead down. And I'm sure, I'm sure we can look back and see there was some iffy referee calls. So, in terms of what actually happened, because I'm not a Houston Rockets fan, in terms of reality, <laughs> when Kobe throws that lob to Shaq, uh, oh. I thought it was a shot from Kobe when it happened. Yeah. I thought Kobe was taking just another ridiculous contested shot. And when it turned to be an alley-oop, I was like, oh, wait a minute. He's so good at basketball that he can make Shaq get easy buckets. And that's why I started being like, okay, this dude is legit. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, the, you know, between that come yeah i remember that come back against the trailblazers in that moment and it was that same thing where i'm watching it and i'm just like oh yeah the oh the lakers good they're not going to go to the finals and then they just came roaring back and that lob it just you thought oh wow like the staple center is going to take off it's going to shake out of the ground and then in the in that same finals uh this is one i i remember too uh it was game 4 it was in uh indiana um and uh, sh- it's the end of the game, and Shaq fouls out of it, which that that that's shocker. Yeah, I'm like that. That's really shocking. Uh, but <laughs> Co- Kobe co- and you know he scored like 22 of his 28 points in the fourth quarter in overtime and leads them to this win where they wait 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 was Mark Jackson on that team? What was Mark Jackson on the Patriots team? Oh, that's a good question. I don't, maybe. Hang on, let's see. This is happening in real time, people. I want to know if Mark Jackson and Jalen Rose were on the team. Uh, Jalen Rose was. Oh, my God. Just getting cooked. No, Jalen. Oh, and, and <laughs> yes, and Mark Jackson was also on that Pastor team. Mark was on that team? Let's see. Yes, he played in 81 games that year. Wait, so Kobe just destroyed Mark Jackson and Jalen Rose? Yeah. And, and Chris and Chris Mullen. 
Oh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure his body was done at that. Oh place. yeah. Uh, how many games did he play that year? I think he still got in there. He was balling that year, though. He was balling. Yeah. He uh, he wasn't in that many. He was. He, he was still good for a corner three. Yeah, was, yeah. That's all. That's all you needed. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That 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 game four that sealed the. The finals for the Lakers, it got them up by a uh, certain margin that we don't mention uh, in Warriors land unless we're talking wow. you know, we're talking about uh, how many uh, st- uh, NBA fi- or championships Steph has uh, vis-a-vis LeBron. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, that, that closed out there or sort of secured their uh, f- this first title since the 80s and, you know, established them as this team that was going to dominate the league for the next few seasons. Um but and you know, yeah, that's a, that was another one that really again, just especially because Shaq fouled out and they didn't have he didn't you didn't have that ginormous safety uh, blanket or valve or safety blanket or whatever you want to call it. You had they had to go out and get it, and he did it for him, and he got him this win that again basically sealed that title for him. Yeah, Kobe was cooking. With gas and at a very young age. I mean, do you remember when he had those that game against Utah when he airballed them shots in a row? Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That was and that was the, you know, he was still getting, still, still kind of getting acclimated or still, in the, you know, he hadn't quite reached that level. That level. Well, dude, I mean, it, it, it's dope that uh, you know a lot of people you know glorify and deify um, Kobe for what he became, but you know a lot of people don't think about that point where. You were like you 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 want to be Jordan, but you're airballing against the Jazz. Yeah, it's not very Jordan like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Jordan would have just hit nothing but that. So yeah. for him to take that challenge on and fail so spectacularly, and not stop shooting, um, just a testament to that model mentality. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that mentality, um, I know that you want to talk about. Um, the Spurs game, I think. Yeah, was it game one? Yeah, it was game one in the 2001 Western Conference. <laughs> he just went berserk. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I, and like, and I, they were the the Spurs. They have a, they had a great defense, and they looked great that season. And he just torched them. Forty five points, ten rebounds, and. I you just, I just, it was just like what, like, uh oh, this is this, you know, and it just, just they had this, they kind of had their number for those two for two in two thousand one and two thousand two. Oh uh, yeah, they were they were whooping on the Spurs all day and all night. And in fact, remember that's when uh, uh, Popovich started getting people like Bruce Bowen yeah. and Stephen Jackson because he was like, I need somebody to guard Kobe. Yeah, I need someone to deal with this. Yeah, that was what Bruce Bowen became. Like, you want to know why that guy stuck around for so long? It was you know, it's a cause he had to deal a guy who could defend Kobe. But and by defend Kobe, uh, I mean you know. Stick his foot under it and when he was shooting some shots. Hey, man, if it's good enough for Zaza, it's good enough for all of us. <laughs> That's why I was so bad at popping with stuff on yeah. Dan Slaughter. I was like, go out like, do you remember Bruce Bowen? Yeah, no, Bruce Bowen had an end Kobe's career nightmare. Yeah, the, 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 I, that, I did. There was a little uh, irony in that. But yeah, that, you know, another thing that, you know, the 2001. Lakers team, they lose one game in the in the in the playoffs, and it was because Allen Iverson just went bananas. You know, again, much like the 2017 Warriors losing just that one game in Cleveland because uh, the referees were bananas. Yeah, yeah, or, or because the 
Cavs made a bunch of three pointers, but mainly the refs. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was something about like the angles of the earth because it's flat. Uh, and I was getting Kyrie going, but hey, hey, Kyrie is one of Bubba's greatest. Yeah, that, okay? that is true. That is very true. Uh, and then, additionally, I don't think people remember what an antagonist, an open antagonist, Kobe was against the that 2002 Sacramento Kings, uh, yeah. okay? Like, people remember, like, you know, Shaq and calling him the Queens and Christopher by D-Buck. Kobe Bryant and those guards had beef. Yeah. I, baby, Doug Christie, Bobby Jackson, Kobe, and they were going at it. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when Kobe gave the elbow to Mike Bibby and busted his nose in the final seconds and the ref didn't call anything? I was like, you know what? That's when I started that's when I started being like, I feel like Kobe gets a lot of calls. I feel like Kobe sometimes will like bait the referees to a call. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like, I mean, even, you know, okay, think about it. When Michael Jordan was playing, I was like, you know, like, first of all, he had already won like rookie of the year and been two all-star games by the time I was born. Yeah. Okay. So when I, I think about Michael Jordan, I think about a guy who was the greatest player of all time. It was always perfect. Obviously I wasn't of age and didn't have enough coverage to understand who the real MJ was. Um, he was pretty close to being perfect. Um, but with Kobe, I was like watching him and I'm like, wait a minute, this guy, sometimes he gets some cheap ass foul <laughs> calls. Not knowing Michael Jordan probably, yeah. you know, scored 10,000 points off cheap foul calls, but I started being like, you know what? I don't like Kobe that much because it seems like he like leans on the referees a little bit. You know what I mean? I was like, mm, I don't know if I, 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 I sorry, I don't know if I like this guy. But then he like in 05 without Shaq dropped sixty two on the Mavs in three quarters, and I'm like, wait, well, you know, even though sometimes he do be um, getting easy calls. He's also barbecuing dudes alive. Yeah. So maybe, you know what, it is what it is. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you, the, it's funny that then there's that stretch, uh, you know, after Shaq leaves or, or is traded, I should say. Um, but where, it, you know, from like 2005, 2006, 2007, where, I don't know, again, I was going through and you just see it just like 65 points, 60 points, 50 points. And then you have like 81 points against Toronto and you're like, good Lord. Like, and it's just these... Again, if we if like that happened today, it it like it would stop Sports Center, it'd stop ESPN if they're doing well, it. Like, it did, like they, it did stop Sports yeah. Center. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> but it, but it, the the it's not even the the eighty one. That's that's insane. That is insane. That is ridiculous. And like yeah, obviously he's taking a lot of shots, you know, but still, that is insane. It was a pretty efficient night, <laughs> by, by Russell Westbrook standards. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, when you consider that era of Lakers done yeah. and what he was working with, yeah, that's true. Like, legit, call me Brown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, for real, for real. Like, Lamar Odom was like good cop, bad cop because he, Kobe was so disgusted with the team so much. Yeah. Like, Smith Parker. Ooh. Like, so that's where it yeah. was like, wow, Kobe scored 81 because the team actually needed 81. Like, yeah. most people forget the Lakers were losing that game. Yeah, <laughs> they were losing. Kobe needed to score 81, or they would have lost. So, like. At that point, it was just like fascinating because Kobe was leading the league in scoring, and his team was trash, and he was used to winning like three in a row. And seeing him just like decide, I'm just gonna score 81 points if that's what it takes to win a, win a game. It was like, yo, this dude is sick. Yeah, he's sick. Like something's wrong with this man. Like why is he so dedicated to doing it by himself? <laughs> but I mean, if you like, you say if you look at that 
that roster, it probably was the, you know, it, it's, it was the way to win, you know, is to do it by yourself. And, you know, they didn't get. Remember, remember when, when they almost beat Phoenix? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, do remember CNAP was the MVP and Kobe should win the MVP. So Kobe baptized him and put up that, that duck. Oh my God. Was that the, was that the year? I know there was the one where, um, it was like in a game seven and uh, Kobe went uh, all uh, and I think Rick Barry did this in like one in the year after the championship, but was just like, I'm not going to shoot. I'm just going to pass. And, well, yeah, that was the year they were up three, yeah, uh, three, one. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, again, it's like, you look at those teammates and it's like, yeah, okay. I could see why you'd probably be a little, you know, maybe a little upset. You might not, you know, be, feel like you're, you, you know, you're, you're the reason they can win. And your offense is the, you're the one, only one who can really score, but yet you're, it's a problem because you scored too much. Like, <laughs> because team basketball is better. And Kobe's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So that, that's why when he got the, like the, like the good player or the bad team rep. Yeah. That's why it was fascinating when the 2008 Olympics came because now it's like, okay, the United States, um, which was the superpower of basketball for decades and decades is now losing and getting like sixth place in you know the, the championships in overseas. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, all right, we're bringing the redeem team. And when they say Kobe Bryant's in there for it, like the, the world stops. It was like, yo, like, we almost thought that Kobe was above the Olympics yeah. because he was a great player. But when he was like, yeah, 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 I'm I, I'm tired of my nation being embarrassed. I'm going to come join. I was like, wait, you're going to join LeBron, Carmelo, Wayne Wade, Dwight Howard. Like, there were so many uh, – Chris Paul. <laughs> there were so many good players on that team. It was like, I don't know if it was going to work with Kobe there because whenever Kobe has good teammates – he makes them get traded because mm-hmm. he's he's more shots, you know. But so that's where it was like weird, you know. What I mean? Yeah, but then when it came down to it in that gold uh, game, gold medal game against Spain, he was the one who stepped up. And I do wonder, you know, if you look at what happened before those 08 Olympics, when it because that was the the finals against the the Celtics when uh, Paul Pierce was in a wheelchair. I mean, uh, when Paul Pierce won finals MVP, <laughs> uh, you know, he's, he's looking at like three phones right now. So uh, <laughs> my guy, Paul, the truth, but uh, you, I wonder if that, and you know, there's, I think there was a lot of letdown, a lot of heartbreak that went with that in that those finals. And I wonder if going through that, you know, he came in maybe to those Olympics with, uh, this kind of resolution of, um, you know, being a, maybe, you know, a, a leader or at least, you know, not, not doing the other Kobe stuff. And then you look at, you know, coming out of those Olympics, he proceeds to go on and the Lakers win the next two titles in 2009 and 2010 with this nice balance of him always doing the, you know, Kobe stuff, he still had those moments. He dropped 61 points in MSG in 2009. Uh, but playing with and really, you know, being in a team with guys like Pau Gasol, like Lamar Odom, um, you know, my favorite is in 2010 when they brought in uh, Ron Artest. Uh, yeah. You know, and you just, you, you saw that. And like I said, I wonder if kind of going through that in 08 and, you know, having winning in the MVP, but still coming up short uh, made him realize something about his mentality. Cause then he proceeds to again, kind of go on this, this 
two winning the championship these two years and playing mm-hmm. playing great mm-hmm. but not you know but again but like not in that way that so many people thought was so detrimental to the team mm, that's a great point man that's a great point that's a fantastic point because um he was very clutch in that gold medal game versus spain when, when he hit that and one three-pointer and he put his fingers to his lips like to hush the crowd. It was very <laughs> profane, anti-American. Um, that's when I was like, "Oh yeah, he's the, he's the best player alive." Yeah. I, that's when LeBron James was, you know, already, you know, he had already taken the Cavaliers to the finals, and I think he had won an MVP by that point. Um, so even with, with LeBron there, I mean, I, I, I'll never forget there was an um, an open practice that a scrimmage that Team USA always has before they go to the Olympics, <laughs> and. They had the, um, you know, blue and white game. And folks, look this up on YouTube. I'm telling you, LeBron James had one team and Kobe was on the other team. And these teams were stacked. We're talking like, I mean, if you look at that redeem team, that team is so stacked. And so they, they split the teams up. And, of course, it's back and forth, back and forth. And then LeBron has to deal with Kobe. <laughs> and, like, Kobe outshines him in the clutch. Like, for sure, for sure, like, LeBron did not come up to the, the, the four against Kobe Bryant in that situation. Now it's like, oh, Kobe's the most dominant player on the team. Then you go to the All-Star game. Um, which, uh, which All-Star game was it? I can't remember exactly, but it was the All-Star game where um, LeBron had the ball in the final seconds and Kobe's guarding him mm-hmm. and, like, begging him to go at him, and then LeBron tries to fire a cross-court pass that gets picked off. <laughs> and Kobe and Carmelo are, like, like, like looking at LeBron, like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like, dude, like, come at me. And I think that was part of how we judged LeBron yeah. at that time because we were like, oh, he doesn't have the killer instinct like Kobe. Like, he doesn't have that, that, that heart like Kobe. And, I mean, for LeBron James to be as great as he is and still get that kind of flack, like, yeah, you're not as good as Kobe when it matters the most. It's just fascinating to me. It's fascinating that if you look at statistically, LeBron is blown away in Kobe in so many categories, including uh, you know all-time points, which Kobe credited him for before his untimely passing. Yeah. But um, to have a, a giant like LeBron in the game, have him still be overshadowed in some ways by Kobe Bryant, lets you know the the effects Kobe Bryant had on the psyches of anyone who watched basketball back then. Yeah, I mean, and, and there was, going into those, especially I just think about those Olympics, like going in, like he, I mean, he, I just went back and looked, he was the captain of that 08 team. Uh, and, and it wow. just was like, he's, he was the guy. And he, again, you like, whether if you, you love loved his game or you were like, you know, like me, like me and others who are, it's like, you kind of, you read it against him, but he was always this, this presence. And yeah, like LeBron and LeBron had to really, um, you know, that would, that was the standard kind of, we measured LeBron by, and even he had all of these, uh, you know, accomplishments and he had, you know, and, and their games are very different. So it's not just like a one-to-one thing, but it wasn't, you, you had to, LeBron had to show some of that intensity that Kobe had for us to be like, okay, now you can, you can be in this conversation or we'll, we'll accept you now. Uh, and it, you know, it was something that he had to earn and he had to get, and he did get there, but, uh, you know, it wasn't something that was, that was, uh, given to him. He had to, like I said, he had to earn it. 
He did. He did. And uh, I'm going to miss rooting against him, man. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to miss, you yeah. know, being like, oh, Kobe's in town. God, we we might get daggered, but maybe, we like, dude, like, his, his game itself, what part of Kobe's offensive game were you the most scared of? Uh, let's see. I, I think it was his ability, like, just his ability. He could get to the rim and you just like, and he would drive with a kind of abandon and would throw his body around. And you're like, and whereas other players, you thought maybe you could disrupt that uh, by virtue, you know, then they're, they wouldn't have this sort of abandon. Uh, he did. And you just, again, like this guy was just like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to win, to get the basket, to score, to do whatever. And, that that's that was the thing that was you know was was kind of was again as an opponent or an opposing fan was just always terrifying. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, and I, I was particularly afraid of his footwork yeah. um, because no matter where he was on the court, he knew how to position himself to get off a pretty good look, which was kind of terrifying because like, we, we we've seen games where literally it's like. They've got Kobe under wraps, and he like wiggles, 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 and just finds just enough of a second of daylight yeah. to get that shut off and make it. And then like when a guy makes three of those in a row on you and is scowling at you like you don't deserve to be in the same court as him, the demoralization factor. And if you watch the All the Smoke um, podcast with Kobe Bryant, which came out I think a couple weeks yeah. ago, and uh, it's so crazy that he died right after making that because I, I I found so much more about him. In that um, that podcast, he was he's very uh, revealing and very you know kind yeah. in his interview. And the way Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson looked looked up to him almost was just like this these puppy dog kind of like just the respect and love they had for him was so strong. Yeah. And you know Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes were the same ones like clotheslining him when they were on the We Believe yeah. team. It, it was like wow, like these dudes really respect his craft, and he's like super chill. Yeah. Um, and him. Man, it's crazy to think he's gone, but um, he was so focused on being one of the best of all time. Yeah. And so now it's strange because, like, in some ways, he's, like, you know, one of the, the great artists who, you know, passed away before we got to see the, the full story. Yeah. And especially in L.A., that's that's um, something we've seen with Nipsey Hussle, um, with Tupac, guys who... Uh, their aura was so strong and it was cut down before the fruition of it that um, their message and their personalities and their belief systems and their art transcended what the normal bounds were. And I think Kobe now with his early passing, how do you rank this man now? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, oh my goodness. Like if I'm thinking about the top 10 all the time conversation, you know what? You go first. You tell me what you got in the top 10 and if Kobe makes it. I mean, I was thinking about this uh, and I was going through and I think the players who are, you know, are just these no doubt surefire locks. You have MJ, Bill Russell, Kareem, Magic, Bird. Ooh, I mean, it's it's, it's that. No, hold on. Hold on. I'm I'm saying yes, absolutely. However, people who didn't watch him play are going to be like, Uh, well, those people need to educate themselves. Um, (laughs) Yes. Ignorant people are going to take Brute out. uh, Tim Duncan. That's a pregnant. 
Yes. And then the, this is probably where I might put uh, put Kobe, uh, maybe, you know, and it's appropriate. I'd put him right next to uh, the guy who drafted him and sort of fixed Jerry West. Uh, it's probably I'd put them around there. And then I think. Well, wait, 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 wait. You got Jerry West above Le- LeBron? The, the man's on the logo. Come on. <laughs> oh no! I can feel the LeBron stands targeting our compounds. Oh, it's, I've, I've I've dealt with them before. It's all right. Yeah, you got a few rings. Yeah, 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 I, I, I can't hear them. I have championship rings plugging my ears. <laughs> For those who don't know, uh, Thomas Bevilacqua actually wrote a book about the uh, 2017 champions. Oh, wow. Wait, 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 folks. He wrote about the team that thought they might lose for the Rockets. They were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're trash. Let's destroy them. <laughs> folks, if you, if you don't have this book, um, Dr. Tom, what's the name of the book? Uh, it is called Golden Age. And I don't even remember the subtitle of it, actually. But Golden Age, get these rings <laughs> on you hoes. I think it's the name of the, the book. The, the brilliance <laughs> of the 2018 champion Golden State Warriors. You know your team has too many rings when you can't even remember the year that your your, your best friend wrote. Oh. You're like, was it, which ring yeah, was it you wrote about? Was it the that first ring the fr- or the second yeah. ring? No, it was the third ring. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, great read. I have an autographed copy. Maybe if you subscribe, you'll get one of your own yeah. from Dr. Tom. I can ask nicely. Um, but overall, I want you guys to know that Dr. Tom has been supporting Dub Nation and literally contributing to the literacy of Dub Nation <laughs> with, with his writing in his books. And so for him to tell you that, um, you know, he's been dealing with the Le- Le- LeBron stands for this long. And um, <laughs> at the end of the day, he's still alive. He's still bulletproof untouched. When you hear this man talk about Kobe, you better respect his words. <laughs> what about you? How do you, how do you, where do you put uh, Kobe in the, in the, pan- the pantheon? Well, obviously, Michael Jordan is going to be, you know, I feel like I feel like if I talk to older people about Michael Jordan, they always go, I mean, yeah, he did a lot of good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I may be too young to really understand just how good the previous greats yeah. were. But just looking at, you know, statistics, um, Michael Jordan for me is uh, got to be in one or mm-hmm. two. Um, I mean, maybe because Michael didn't deal with as much racism. Uh, you know, you got to like you know, like grade the, the, the curve for racism. So Bill, Bill yeah. Russell and Will Chamberlain might be the greatest yeah. of all time. And, <laughs> you know and I mean? Oscar, like, Oscar Robertson too with some Oscar Robertson, you know, Kareem, yeah. like, you know, I don't know what it's like when you have to come to the crowd and the crowd literally wants you yeah. dead. Um, I don't know. So um, I'm just going to say for me, I'm putting Michael up. I was born in 87, you know, I wore, I, Are you I, a young I, I got so many Jordans, and when I say so many, I mean two pairs that I just, you know, I'm affiliated. I can't help it. So Michael Jordan, I'm brainwashed. Uh, obviously, Bill Russell, 11 rings. You can't hit on that. Kareem, oh, my gosh. Like, you're the greatest scorer in the history of basketball, and you always won. Um, I mean, you know, relatively. Kareem, boom, I got you in there. Magic Johnson. Um, you know what's crazy, though? I might have – ooh, this is tough. I don't know this is tough. Right here, I, right here is where I, I don't know if I got to put LeBron right ooh. there. Um, just because um, the man's numbers are ridiculous, um, and he's still playing the game. <laughs> wait, and, and, wait well, and what is his record in the finals? 
I mean, but that's the thing, though. If you look at Wilt's record or Jerry West's record in the finals, you know what I mean? Like, that's why I'm saying, obviously, LeBron will never be better than Michael Jordan to me. Although, I think it's a very interesting conversation. We have a table for later, considering the um, the pressure that may be coming from Laker Nation to this current Lakers team yeah. with the emotional impact of the death of a legend and the ne- next game being Tuesday against the Clippers in L.A., Ooh. I can I can only imagine just how um, emotional that's going to be, and you know, for LeBron, a, a friend of Kobe's and someone who Kobe, you know, kind of mentored in a way, um, the emotion of that's got to be off the charts. But then think about Kawhi Leonard, you know, who grew up in LA yeah. and whose father was killed, you know, in LA, and you know, obviously he was watching Kobe Bryant, and then when Popovich asked him to be more like Kobe Bryant, then Kawhi goes to train with Kobe Bryant, and I'm I'm pretty sure that he may be feeling some kind of way mm-hmm. too, you know, I mean. Kobe touched so many basketball players' lives as well as fans yeah. that um, his reach is amazing. So I, I got to go MJ, Russell, Kareem, LeBron, Magic, um, Bird, Duncan. Um, I think I could put Kobe yeah. there. I think feel feel, feel pretty good about it. Uh, sorry, feel pretty good about it. Um, but um, it's hard to say. And, um, I. I definitely, I definitely feel like Steph is creeping yeah. in there. Um, but at the same time, if we were grading it on terror reach yeah. on the sport, Kobe would be top five, I, I, yeah. I would think. I, I would think, I mean, because everyone was worried in a particularly strange way about Kobe Bryant. They were worried about him like, okay, hey, let's just let him shoot every time because he's going to score anyway. Let him get 60. Or you say, we're going to double-team Kobe Bryant and make him give the ball up every time. And somehow, on either defense, he was still going to score 50 yeah. points. I mean, it's not to sort of make, as I want to do, make everything about uh, KD, but it's that feeling I remember when he was on the Thunder and would play the Warriors where you're just like every time he shot it, you're, especially when it's in a close game situation or in the late game, you're just like, oh, no, that's going to go in, isn't it? Um, just, yeah, like you said, there is no – you you no matter what you did, no matter if you you forced him to, to take the shots or you forced him to pass it, he still was able to score at such an efficient clip and lead an offense that was so strong. And, yeah, just, like you say, just put the fear of God into you. Well, um, mm. what, we, what we saw and the personal effectiveness as witnesses of Kobe Bryant, um, this is someone I thought was just going to live so well and so richly after his playing career that he was an inspiration um, in a lot of ways. Because when I was a kid, I had the mini fro like Kobe did. And then sometimes when I was like not listening to my dad and he would get annoyed with me and he'd be like, okay, Kobe, you know, (laughs) like that man's name um, has been a part of uh, my development from uh, boy into man. And I watched Kobe Bryant very closely to see how he dealt with adversity. And when he came up with the mob of mentality, sometimes I laugh at the corniness of it. But then when I realized that he was saying the same thing to Draymond and Steph and Clay. And, you know, encouraging them and talking to LeBron and D Wade. And I started really saying, okay, this guy really is the um, 
bearer and passer of the torch from Michael Jordan to now. And uh, everyone who faced him, I mean, even Dirk Nowitzki called him the greatest he ever played against. I think that's where you got to start saying, um, okay, a legend like this to pass away, we may never see anything like that again. In fact, odds are we won't because the game has changed so much. Um, just in terms of the way that any shot was a good shot for him, and uh, he was so fearless. And um, I, w- I will always be uh, blessed to have witnessed a man who is so driven and show what it's like to really, really be driven and to really uh, um, sacrifice whatever it took to get the job done. Um, and uh, I think above all, I'll appreciate that about him, that he taught a whole generation of young people, men and women, um, mm-hmm. that uh, hard work does pay off. And um, I appreciate that. Yeah. Him. I mean, I think you look at, well, you know, what is the legacy or how does he affect the people going forward? And I think it's that. And I think uh, he was someone, you, you know, who was a supporter of the WNBA and was, uh, you know, supportive of, of uh, women basketball players. And I think that kind of giving them a spotlight and the attention that they deserve, you know, is something that, you know, he certainly deserves kind of cre- credit for and sort of leading maybe a charge or leading NBA players and being more interested in that sort of thing. But above all, yeah, that, that drive and you just, like I said, it's just you – when we t- when we talk about the players, you like you love them when they're on your team and you hate them when they're not. We talk about it's a guy like Draymond Green or a Patrick Beverly or a Bill Lambeer or a whoever. But it, you could say that about Kobe too because it's just like he is so great. But if you have to face him, it's just you're just it's dumb. It's just you know awful and hor- 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 horrific or you know horror inspiring, uh, and it's just you know but. You, you look back now, you know, you have, we have, we've had a little kind of time in terms of, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, we retired, it was only 2016, which is kind of surprising, but, um, you, you know, you can look back and, you know, you can say like, wow, yes, I did watch one of the, the greatest basketball players ever and you know and it was it was all he was always worth watching and he was special and like i say i keep coming back to that whether it's you're rooting for him or against him you always cared and you always knew this guy was going to give it his all and do everything and anything he could to to win and succeed on the court and yeah it's just it's it's too, it's sad. It's just sad that he's gone because I was really looking forward to the next stages of, of his life. Like you were saying the Kobe, we could have gotten Kobe with a gut talking about how, uh, the, the various ball kids are, you know, not, uh, living up to the, to the, to the standard <laughs> or something. <Dre> Youngies. <laughs> but it's just, I think a lot about like, why, why do we, care about these people we don't know and like why does it mean so much and i think it's very much the same view as it is for me that this was this like i said this person who i kind of came of age watching play basketball and it's like to see you know again to see him um, pass on in addition to the the again the real tragedy of it with the, you know with that his family and his wife and his loved ones have lost him and uh, his oldest daughter uh, it's you're kind of saying goodbye to that or part of that 
time in your life or it makes you realize that that's gone too. And so it's, you know, you're more mourning for him, but we're also mourning for this, you know, again, this time in our lives as basketball fans and watchers and consumers. Yeah, man, it feels like a piece of who we are is dead. And I never thought about that until he passed away. And I was like, Kobe Bryant is a part of the makeup of me. Right now, I'm pouring a a bourbon for him because I know Kobe would love for me to take a shot. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I hope everyone else is taking whatever shots they got to take. Thank you, Dr. Tom, for joining me on a very difficult podcast. And uh, I think it is great to see... uh, how it's not just basketball, man. It's about uh, a lot more than that. And we were able to share some of the great memories of the the uh, the good and bad of being in the crosshairs of Kobe Bryant. And um, I want to thank all y'all for, for uh, sorry, for joining us today uh, on a very tough podcast. Dr. Tom, do you have anything you want to leave the fans with? Uh, no, just, yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for talking about this. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, it's just like, not it always sounds so trite to say, but you know your thoughts and prayers and wishes are with uh, the Bryant's, his wife, and his, his remaining children and his loved ones. It's just, it's just, it's this is not the reason you ever want to be talking about someone like Kobe Bryant because of the situation. And it's just, you know, your heart goes out to them. But it was good. It's good to kind of talk talk through this and tell 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 some stories about what this person meant to us two knuckleheads who like to talk about basketball.